Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to In Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Angel Rodriguez. And thankfully, I'm saying back <laughs> because I already have two episodes up on the channel. Um, episode one is uh, interviewing my good friend Ikuma, who's in Germany. And episode two, I'm interviewing Vivian, who's in, who in Bahrain, but taught in Myanmar. So if you haven't checked them out, please do. In this episode, you'll be hearing from me. <laughs> this is going to be a solo episode. Um, I've had a few people tell me that they'll be interested in knowing my story on how I got to Costa Rica and that whole process. And hopefully it'll be something that uh, you will, like, would want to know about. And honestly, even if you know you know me, um, not many people know how I got to Costa Rica or that process that I took. Um, and, you know, the things I was going through before I even d- decided to even try it. Um, only my close friends and family know um, that story. So hopefully there's things in here that will be valuable for you to know. So yeah, this is In Living Color Abroad. Let's go. I can start with um, how I was feeling back in my old school um, in New York. Um, I was there five years, and I would say that during my fourth year there, I was feeling very um, complacent. I felt that I wasn't growing, even though I received like the equivalent of a promotion there. I was a coach for another teacher, and I was getting paid a little bit more money, but um, I was feeling complacent at the job. I can't really, I've tried to like grapple with that, of that complacency, but I felt like I I reached my peak there. And I didn't know how much longer I saw myself being there. And then what happened was I basically did an online (laughs) career workshop, like paid a hundred dollars because I felt kind of lost, you know, quote unquote lost. And I paid a hundred dollars for a workshop. And I said, let me give this a try. And it was a workshop based in the UK and it was online and basically it was like me and like 10 other people that were connected via like Skype and with the, you know, the presenters of the workshop. And basically they told us to do this, um, this, this exercise and the exercise basically consisted of this. They said, all right, you're in this government run program. You have two years to do whatever you want. Year one, it's all paid for Number one. Uh, you get to travel wherever you want year one. That's year one, wherever you want to travel, is all paid for, go. Year two now, you have to do something with that money. Like, what are you going to do? So I was writing things down in year one. You know, I wrote all the places I want to travel to. Um, and then year two, though, I put also more traveling <laughs> because, you know, and I put, I think I put in there maybe opening a hostel, but also doing some kind of work with like traveling, Right. And after I did that exercise, I realized that traveling is something that I enjoy doing, not just to be on vacation, but it's something that I enjoy doing, period, right? Like I truly enjoy, anyone that knows me knows that I truly enjoy meeting people and talking to people. That's like one thing I really do enjoy and I, I feel pretty comfortable in any space that, I'm, that I occupy. It wasn't always the case. But I feel it's the case now where I definitely feel comfortable in many different um, settings. 
And I think that's a skill as well. I think some people have it more naturally than others, but I think it's a skill that you definitely develop. And also, so I took the workshop and then I'm like, okay, now what? <laughs> but the one thing that stuck to me out in the workshop is something that I have told many people that know about my story about coming to Costa Rica is that I mentioned something that happens to people when they think about things too much, that they develop analysis paralysis. So that basically means is that you analyze situation so much and you're in your head so much that you literally do nothing. You just become paralyzed. You, you, you do not take action because you've thought of so many different scenarios in your head that you just don't do anything. And I realized that I was like that. Like I definitely, I think I still am in some, in some aspects. Um, but, you know, I had to at least acknowledge that and, and know what that was. And so basically, it was uh, it was February, and I signed up for this uh, international school, ISS called International School Services, which is basically a, a agency for international education. So basically, what I thought of like, okay, the things that I like are teaching. I still like teaching. I like traveling. How can I merge these worlds? I'm like, uh huh. International education seems like a no brainer. But of course, I didn't know if I wanted to do that, but I knew at least that I needed to at least try it out in the sense of, you know, interviewing. Like I knew I, if I wanted to find out and develop some clarity as far as do I still want to be in education? Do I want to, you know, do I want to live abroad? Like those things, I needed to at least try out the process. And so it's funny because there was a job fair in Atlanta and I believe January. And because I thought about it so long, I missed the deadline to uh, sign up and I was fucking mad at myself. I'm like, Angel, you idiot. You should have just signed up. But then there was one the next month. I looked up again. It was one in San Francisco. I'm like, oh my God, like so far away, much further than Atlanta. And I'm like, oh my God, like what do I do? How do I quit out of work? And I basically just said, you know what? Fuck it. Like, don't think about it too much. You know, like I, if I was, if I spent more time on thinking about how I was going to do this, I wasn't going to do it. So I basically just said, buy the ticket. And ticket was, thankfully, it wasn't expensive. It was only like $2.30. But I had to take off a Monday off of work. And again, I didn't think about it. I just did. And what I noticed that happens, I mean, I can't speak for everyone. But I think what happens in the mind is, is when you take action, like that initiative at first, it's like a domino effect. Like, I rebought the ticket, so I knew it was going. So if I was going, I need to at least now, you know, get my act together, you know. That meant revising my resume, having sent my resume to some people to take a look at it, figuring out what they look for in international educators, you know, what do they, what to say, how to sell yourself, you know, all those things. Like, and that's what I ended up doing in the span of literally like, oh, two weeks before I left. Like, that's how quick that flight was. I mean, you know, the, the time spent from buying the flight to when I left. And it was really surreal, like thinking about it now, like how quickly that happened, like literally the fucking drop of a dime a stamp of a finger like um how quickly that process came about and next thing you know i'm on a flight <laughs> to san francisco and it's funny that it was san francisco in some respects because that was actually my first ever traveling that i ever did was to san francisco like as an adult by myself you know to with um as an adult saying okay i could buy a ticket and go somewhere san francisco was the first place i went to with a couple of friends uh yeah and um so it's kind of funny that that's where I had to go to get my international education. So yeah, so I'm on that flight and, you know, I'm thinking about shit. 
and you know and at the same time i was i was you know the process of going to san francisco i was listening to this man and i highly recommend this audiobook to everyone because honestly if it, i i don't want to say that if it wasn't for this audiobook but of it played a significant role in like my decision to actually do this international abroad so the book is called can't hurt me by this badass motherfucker named David Goggins. And I suggest anybody look up his book on Amazon. He's been on like a fucking TV shows, whatever, you know, like motivational speaker, Navy SEAL kind of guy. But anyways, like his audiobook really put things in perspective for me as far as like not living in this kind of like fear mindset and doing shit to get out of that and developing what he calls mental calluses in your in our minds. But you know, you could just look him up and find that all for yourself. I'm not gonna talk about the book. But, um, so yes, yeah, so I'm on this flight to San Francisco. I'm some, somewhat nervous. And most people know me. I'm kind of cheap. So I wasn't going to stay in the hotel. I, I consider myself frugal, not cheap. But I was, um, I went, I stayed in a hostel. I'm used to staying in hostels. And it was only like 20 bucks a night. And I got there like 11 o'clock at night, by the way. And the interview started at 7 a.m. So I'm like, oh my God, like I'm in San Francisco now. Like the fuck, I got a mask right to sleep, not on vacation mode. You know, I packed the suit, so I wake up the next morning, I'm just, <laughs> this is probably the funniest part, it's like out of a movie, I'm like, I'm in the communal bathroom, uh, getting ready, gelling my hair, and this other guy's next to me, kind of like, looking at me mad weird, because it's not every day that you see a fucking guy dressing up in a, in a, in a suit at a hostel, like, <laughs> that is not the norm at all at hostels, and so that was kind of funny, and yeah, so I go to the interview, to the, to the job fair in this, in the, the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco, and this is this huge hotel, you know, and it's obviously that's used for conferences, kind of has that feel to it. And I go to this huge, like, conference area, and there were so many people there. I was like, wow. Like, hundreds and hundreds of people there trying to interview for international education. And it was pretty surreal. And I, sh- I should also backtrack a little bit. I looked at the Excel file to see how many places had openings for schools. And now for music... And I was surprised at the amount of schools that are openings for music. I was like, wow, like, fucking, you know, I have a chance to land a job in multiple places. So the first table I go to is India. Mind you, I know nothing about India or even really had an intention of going to India in the first place, if I was to be frank. But I'm like, I got to try to interview. You know, I got to see what it's about. So I signed for that interview. They signed me up for whatever, a time slot. That's the way it works, by the way, these job fairs. You go up to their table <laughs> And you basically have like a literally a 30 second conversation. And from there, they decide if they want to interview you. They call it the elevator uh, speech, where it's like, you know, you have 30 seconds to just tell them about yourself. And that's it. And from that point, they decide to want to interview you. Thankfully, everywhere I went, they wanted to interview me. You know, the place that had openings, you know, I got to like that. Now I'm just playing. But <laughs> but um, so I go to India. They're like, all right, time slide. Cool. So I go to other schools. And I had time slots in uh, in India, in Vietnam, one in, uh, Be- in Shenzhen, China, one in Beijing. And then, this is where it kind of is funny how things, how life happens sometimes. I literally went around, did one more roundabout on, in the conference room. Because I'm like, you know, I want to make sure I got all my countries in here. You know, I also applied for Italy and had an interview lined up. And I find Costa Rica. I'm like, oh, Costa Rica. And I see music. I'm like interesting okay and i meet the director my current director i'm like oh 
This guy looks like the Costa Rica Pura Vida lifestyle that I've heard about. And, you know, he's wearing this nice, you know, unbuttoned white shirt with these nice light blue pants. You know, very, very tropical looking. And, you know, I interviewed him. He was very nonchalant about, you know, the job. He's like, oh, we might have somebody that really took the job. But, you know, you can interview. I'm like, okay. It doesn't sound like you really want me, but I'll interview. Why not? So I interviewed with those with all the schools. And my so the interviews happened in hotel rooms. And the first, the first place I went to was India, right? So I interview, I go into their hotel room. By the way, it's kind of weird going into a hotel room to interview because it's just you and like the two other people. And it's literally the hotel room. Like it's where these motherfuckers be sleeping. So, so it's kind of awkward. But, you know, I'm there in the hotel room. And one of the, you know, the I think I think it was like the director of the school of India in Mumbai, India. He asked me, he's like, why, why international education? And I swear to God, he asked me that question and then I caught a glimpse of like the background because I had like a nice view of like San Francisco and I like had like an out of body experience like for like for two seconds because I was talking, but I didn't really hear what I was saying. And I was like so caught up in the fact that Angel, you're fucking here in San Francisco right now. Like you literally bought these tickets two weeks ago and you're here. Like, holy shit. Like, it kind of hit me in that moment. And then I said what I said. And then, like, oh, sounds great. I'm like, okay. I don't know what they said. I was bullshitting. But, you know, it sounded good. So they said they were going to offer me a contract. I was like, holy shit. Like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) a contract? Like, I was not expecting that. So that was pretty cool. And I was, like, kind of hyped. And then, you know, I had other interviews. I went to Qatar. You know, you hear a lot about things about the Middle East, about offering a lot of money. But I had no, again, I had no intention of going to the Middle East. Like, I just did it. You know, that that could be my own ignorance, right? But I just, I knew that was not where I was going to go. But I still interviewed anyway, right? And they wanted to offer me a contract, but I politely declined. And then I went to Shenzhen, China. And that's the place that I was actually really considering. People be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And you're considering China. But, like, I thought about the things that I wanted as far as, you know, okay, Angel, what are you looking for, right? And, like, in a a broad experience. So I'm like, oh, a new culture shock, obviously, right? Learning a new language. That's also, I'm like, it would be nice to be trilingual. And I'm like, oh, I can learn some Mandarin, whatever. And also Shenzhen, China happens to be like a relatively young city, but like booming city in the sense of like, you know, they have, they have skyscrapers, you know, it's like a lot, lots of people live there. And it's also like, I think like 10, 20 minutes away from Hong Kong. So I'm like, that sounds dope as fuck. Like, <laughs> why? Who would say no to that? Right? And when I saw the salary, I was like, oh, this is pretty shit. Like, salary was really bad. And, you know, I was like, this does not seem like a good salary for me or something I'm willing to do, right? And, but, you know, and they also said that they needed, uh, but I was still considering it. Again, I was still considering it because I'm like, oh, I could do a big city. I'm from a big city, blah, blah, blah. And, but then they told me they needed a, a decision by Sunday. Mind you, this was Saturday that I interviewed. So I didn't like, I was kind of put off by the fact that they, that they were like being pushy, that I'm about to like move my life some, to another, another, across the world. And they want me to make that decision in a matter of a day. And I didn't like that. I really didn't like that. And so, you know, interview with them, interview with Italy, that was cool. Italy, people were like, why didn't you choose Italy? Like, I never really got a formal offer, but the director said that he wanted to keep in contact with me because he thought. The music teacher was going to leave, but also the position was for middle school, high school, and I actually don't like teaching those ages. Like I, 
I have experience with elementary and I like elementary. I want to stay in that uh, age group. So I wasn't that, that into it, you know. But anyway, so now I have Costa Rica. So now I'm go to coast, go to the hotel, the other hotel room, and you go to Costa Rica. I'm there as the, as the principal for the high school, and then the rector is there, right? And we're talking about stuff, you know. We're you know it's going pretty pretty fine, and then he says the rector says, you know, my principal in the elementary school has someone in mind, but I think you're the person for the job. And I'm like, oh, that sounds nice. Mind you, he could be, he could have been completely bullshitting, right? Just to like make it seem like they really want me. Like I I still don't know to this day. If that was actually the case, <laughs> but whatever, made me feel good, you know. And um, so he sounds like that. he's like, yeah, he's like, we're gonna, you know, offer you a position. I'm like, this is cool. So mind you, I've now been offered positions in Mumbai, in Shenzhen, China, and also Beijing. I found something I got offered at Beijing, and that was actually where the best money was in Beijing, and now Costa Rica. And also, if you listen to my previous podcast, you know that I've befriended. Um, like <laughs> seven to ten people of color there because that's it wasn't many people of color that mind you so i would say it's probably like a good 97 percent of the people there are white and three percent are just like people of color right black and brown people that, that's honestly all i saw you know and we all kind of like found each other ironically enough you know we all we all they were all actually i found them they were so they already were sitting at the table and I'm like, you know what? Me being who I am, like, I'm gonna insert myself here. Whether I was wanted or not, I don't know. No, I think I was wanted. I think they were cool with it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> they were uh, they were all women, right? And I was I introduced myself, and it was really cool. They were all really nice from different places, like South Carolina, North Carolina, somebody from California, Ikuma, who I interviewed in my first episode, and that kind of surprised me as well. I'm like, holy shit! People from like you know what I consider smaller, you know, cities around the country are coming all the way to fucking San Francisco and trying this shit and trying to go to fucking Qatar and China. I'm like, holy shit. Like, this is crazy. Like, I did not expect that at all. You know, I expected all people from big cities, you know, like Chicago, New York, whatever, LA, to be doing this shit. But no, people from like small, you know, smaller town places around the country also looking to like at international education. And that was cool to see, honestly. It really was. It opened my eyes. I did not know about that. And anyway... So I was telling them about my offers. They're like, what? You got mad offers. We got like, we're saying like on one or two offers. Here you are, contemplating between four different places. You know, I'm like, ha whatever. It was funny though. And so now I'm going back home. You know, I have I leave the next day. And I before I left, I told India that I politely declined because, you know, I was interested. And basically there was only two places I was considering. Beijing, because they told me, Beijing was the one school that told me to take my time. And I like that, right? So it was between Beijing and Costa Rica. And, you know, to some people that might be a no-brainer, right? They're like, oh, I mean, I, actually, I'm curious to see what people would choose in that situation. Like, whoever's listening, if you haven't, you know, taught or brought, if you have, what would you choose? Would you choose Costa Rica or Beijing, right? Beijing is obviously a huge city, you know, whatever, metropolis, whatnot. Obviously, there's, like, the issue of, like, air quality, but, you know, a big city, whatever. Or, like, obviously, Costa Rica, which is known as, like, you know, fucking paradise and you know lack of a better term but um yeah so i was actually contemplating both those really seriously and i'm on my flight back home and you know from san francisco to new york that had a lot of my mind like but i was also very grateful for the fact that i even did this shit you know like that I was on a flight that i took my ass to fucking san francisco to try this out like that part to me was awesome and the fact that i had offers was even more awesome. Like I, I had a chance to actually do something with this, you know, 
And as I was on my way back, again, I was listening to the podcast, uh, the audiobook by David Goggins. And something really stuck on what he was saying. He said that people, the people closest to you, would, would want what's best for you, but they're projecting their own fears and insecurities onto you. So when people tell you not to do something because they're afraid, yeah, they care about you, but it's based on their own projections of their own fears and insecurities that they wouldn't do. And that's not fair, right? And I thought about that because I knew for a fact that the people that were going to be the, the, the most against this move, and still are, I would say, you know, they accept it now, but are my parents. Like, I knew for a fact that my parents were not going to be accepting of this move. And out of, you know, out of whatever, out of ignorance or fear, just, you know, I'm their son. I'm their youngest boy, you know, youngest son. Um, and I'll be leaving the fucking country, not just like moving to Atlanta or Florida like my brothers did, but leaving the damn country. <laughs> so that's not, and I also, you got to see it from their standpoint, right? They're immigrants. They immigrated from the Dominican Republic, a developing nation, to New York to find a better life for their for their future children, which they did, right? And here I am, fucking angel, saying, you know what? That's nice, but now I'm going to leave this New leave New York City, leave the United States, and go to a developing nation, right? So I can see how that is something that is very hard to compute for immigrant parents, especially, especially my parents, um, to be like, wait, what? Like, we literally left our, our, our home to come here to provide a better life for you guys, and, and now you want to leave, Angel? Like, you trying to shit on all that? So I can see that, and I told him that, and I get it, you know, and I still get it to this day. But I knew I couldn't live my life for anybody else but me. I know it sounds very it sounds very cliche to say that, and I know that, but it's a real thing. A lot of people, whether they want to admit it or not, base the decisions on other people and not their how they feel about the situation. And obviously, I'm in a position to do this because I don't have a family. If you have a family, I would hope you would consider them. <laughs> And you could, you know, you you could judge it as being good or bad. I don't know. I'm just telling you that I know for myself, I need to make a decision for me and not because of like my parents' opinion, who I value a lot. I obviously love them to death and my parents, but I had to make a decision for me and what was best for me in that, mo- in that moment. Another thing that, that I, um, and that was, honestly, that was what was holding me back the most were my parents. Like, I thought about them, like, oh, my parents are older. Like, how the fuck could I leave? Like, I have a little sister, you know, who's going through her own shit. And, like, how can I just leave that, right? How can I, like, leave that, leave supporting them in, like, this close way? You know, I'm the only one in my family besides my sister that doesn't have any um, any kids. Like, I have four other brothers that have their own families, you know, and their own lives. And I'm the only one that doesn't, you know, I, I can still, like, visit my parents every now and then because, you know, I have that freedom, that my brothers don't have, right? Because they have that, they have families, they got their own shit to worry about. And I understand that, I respect that. So it was hard for me to make the decision. But I had a conversation, I forgot to mention this. I had a conversation with a, a dude named Brian who I actually met at the job fair. He was interviewing as well. He was a black man. And it was good to see another man of color interviewing. There were a lot of women there, but it was good to see a man of color as well. Shout out to Brian. Hopefully you're listening, Brian. He's in Abu Dhabi right now. So hopefully I get him to, hopefully I interview him. Um, on the podcast, but I spoke to Brian, who was a really cool guy, really cool dude, and we were having, we went to get some drinks, and we had a conversation, and he asked me, he's like, what are you, what are you afraid of? I'm like, you know, I just, I worry about my parents. He's like, he's like, that's real. And then he really, he really, he's like, not to be morbid, but are you going to start living your life when your parents are dead? I'm like, the fuck? This guy went from, <laughs> from, oh, you know, what do you, but like, 
it was a real question. And I sat with them like, holy shit, like, he's right. Like, am I going to wait till my parents die for me to decide that I'm going to do something for myself that I think is beneficial for me, not just personally, but professionally? And that's a real thing. Like, I was like, holy shit, like, no, because I would be regretting that, right? The fact that I made a decision based on somebody else, I'll be regretting that for the rest of my life. And I didn't want to live in regret. So that's something that he said. So shout out to you, Brian, for um, saying that because I definitely stuck with me as well. But I go back to New York and yeah, and I had decisions to make. I spoke to so many people, my friends, uh, Justin McClennan, who's my uh, co-worker and I consider a brother now, Carlos Turnbull, another co-worker that turned into a brother. Those are two, those are two men and two family men that I will always be eternally grateful for their, like their guidance and they just they're just cool motherfuckers, and they're like they know that they mean a lot to me, and hopefully you know I mean a lot to them. But I spoke to them a lot about the decision, and you know they were like Angel, you should go. Like why not? You know he's like you're young enough. You know you made a good amount of money here. You have money saved. You know you don't have any kids. Like you don't have like those major responsibilities that will that will legit hold somebody back. So I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. But I was still undecided between the two countries. But then when I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? One, I know the language of Costa Rica. I look Costa Rican. One thing about me is I think I look pretty ethnically ambiguous. Like I, if I, I, every time I meet somebody, I ask them to guess where I'm from. Because a lot of people, I'm talking about like good 70% of people, the, most people are like, oh yeah, you look mad Dominican. But honestly, 70, 70% of people guess my ethnicity wrong. Even if I give them options, they get it wrong. I've gotten Lebanese, I've gotten Arab, I've gotten fucking, i got so many different things. It's, it's, it's insane, you know. But anyway... So, like, you know, I can pass for Costa Rica, I know the language, I've been there, it's a beautiful country, I know that, you know, it's not far from New York, only four and a half hours away. So those are all the pluses. The money wasn't good, trust me, the money wasn't good, but, you know, the housing was provided for. And, yeah, and I'm like, you know, Beijing seems very far away, you know, China, restrictive country, you know, like, I don't I don't know if I could vibe with that kind of shit. And I decided on Costa Rica, and it didn't hit me that I signed in Costa Rica until probably like the last month that I was there in New York. And let me tell you something about that last month in New York. That last month in New York had to be <laughs> had to be the most grateful I've ever been in my life for like people around me. Like I was shown so much love by so many people. And I saw so many people that I have not seen in ages came out of the woodworks. Not even came out, of the, and I'm not trying to say that like derogatory speaking out of the woodworks. Like, I was running into people coincidentally, and it was, that was mind-boggling to me. I was running into people coincidentally that I have not seen in ages. For example, a cousin of mine, I have not seen in 15 years, ran to him randomly. Then I, I, I reconnected with, with my, you know, with a best friend that I was my best friend that we had a falling out, but reconnected with her after seven years of not knowing about each other's lives or what we've been doing because we weren't on social media, following each other's social media. And it was like, it was just bananas. And then I ran to my coworker, a friend of mine in my first job before at the at the school I was at, ran into him. He sold me a Mac. He was working at the Apple store in downtown Brooklyn and he sold me a Mac. And like we went out for drinks. It was just, it was mind-boggling those things were happening to me. And to me, it was a sign. And listen, anyone that knows me knows I don't really believe for, believe into that kind of like everything happens for a reason. Like I try not to believe in that shit. Like I just don't. It's just not my it's not my cup of tea. I feel like I could be a cop-out. But to in this moment, it was hard not to view these these situations as like a sign of like angel. It's time, right? Like this is kind of like 
People are here to see you because they know you're 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 now to the next phase of your life. And it was very powerful. And and I, I and I definitely thought about that and felt very grateful um to see everyone that I saw. And you know, also I would be a fool if I didn't mention the fact that I also in the month of July I got to fly down to Atlanta, see my brothers, my nephews. Um, I got to go to Florida, see my brothers, my brother there, my nephew, so my parents in upstate New York, my sister. I got to see my entire media family. And that I'm also very grateful for because that was important to me as well, seeing my family first and foremost before I went on this, uh, you know, to move abroad. And family is a very big thing in my family. So that is something that I got to make sure I had to mention as well. Whoever's listening, if I saw, you know, in New York, I, I appreciate everyone that came out to my, I like a going away party, you know, a birthday thing. All this other stuff and just like yeah it was just like really really fucking cool to see you know that at the end of the day it's all about connections right and people that care about you and i was very grateful for that and i and i really and i still am because i still keep in touch with these people you know and that's that real shit you know that's what really shows you what 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 makes things worth you know worth living for and also in that last month in july i went to la to visit my professor, my former professor slash friend, Maisha Cherry, who um, also has a book out right now called Unmuted. It's about uh, social justice, race, philosophy. She's a philosopher in California. The book has a forward by Cornell West. So I, I, it's a great book. I just finished it. You guys should check it out. It's on Amazon. And yeah, and I spoke to her about this. And it's funny because I actually traveled with her. She was staying in Costa Rica for a month and I visited her. And that was my first trip three years ago to Costa Rica. So it was kind of cool how I went to visit her talking about how I was going to move <laughs> to Costa Rica. Um, and yeah, and then I flew, uh, she gave me a lot of guidance. Um, and then uh, I flew to New York back home and I had lunch with my professor slash mentor who told me everything I know about music. Uh, uh, professor Mark Adams, who is a jazz pianist extraordinaire, still tours with Roy Ayers, um, who is obviously famous for my, uh, Everybody Loves the Sunshine, that famous track and others. And um, yeah, and give me a lot of guidance around this. And it's, it's good to have, I, I suggest that everyone should have a mentor, like honestly, like it, it really does help. And these people, they've lived life, you know, longer than you, most of these people, you know, so, I mean, longer than me is what I'm saying. Um, and it's good to have people that could, you know, guide you in, in certain, you know, in avenues in life. And when you're, you know, when you're in different stepping stones along the way, and I'm, eternally grateful for all the advice that everyone has given me, you know, whether, you know, a friend, family, whatever. And yeah, and that last month was definitely a, an amazing time. Um, you know, cause I was going through a lot, obviously moving. <laughs> so it was really cool seeing so many of, of people that cared about me, you know, show me love and all that stuff. And people that didn't see show me love through, you know, social media, like saying, you know, this is an amazing thing. You know, you got a lot of guts to do this. And, you know, and all that stuff. And that's also the reason why I did this podcast as well, honestly. I want people to not be inspired by me necessarily, but to feel like this shit is possible. You know, like you don't see it often. Again, people of color living abroad, like it's not something you see readily. And I want to shed light on that because there's obviously people doing it. Not just me, obviously, there's a lot more other people besides me that are doing this. You know, and in other places that might be more challenging, like you've heard, you know, from people, you know, Ikuma, who's in Germany, my friend who's in, you know, Myanmar and uh, China, Qatar and Abu Dhabi, all these places around the world. And yeah, they're they're doing their shit. You know, they're they're rocking it out. They're really doing their shit and holding their own. And that's important, to, I think, to recognize. Right. 
and um, yeah. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, it was it's good for honestly. If it's not good for you, it's good for me because <laughs> I'm able to like reflect on a lot of things that are like you know because I, I do journal, but I haven't journaled as of late because I've used this podcast as like a way of journaling in some sense. <laughs> And um, yeah, this is a good life for me to reflect. And hopefully you guys find some things in here that you can relate to whether you travel abroad or not, you know. And again, hopefully this is something that you enjoy and keep listening to. And yeah, you know, uh, much love. Next week, I will have hopefully my good friend Margot, who's living in Qatar. And hopefully we'll interview her. Um, she's doing her thing out there. But yeah, this is In Living Color Abroad. Peace out.